0: In Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, and we'll be in verse 14 here in just a second. Today is a day that we have been praying for, a day that we've been preparing for, for several weeks. It's the emphasis called, Tell Someone. You've seen the banners in our sanctuary, you see the banners here on the front of our stage, you have heard about it in your Sunday school class, most specifically today. As all of you in one shape, form, or fashion Uh, are learning how to share your faith and who God is. You learn that God is creator of all today. This morning, we look at the first part. You can see over here to my right, your left, that there's four numbers. A three, a one, a five, and a one. This morning, I want us to look at that first number, that number three. And the challenge to the church is to pray for three lost people to come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior you saw in your Sunday school class a a poster of the potential for each one of your classes. Starting from our youth class all the way to our senior adult classes in the month of August, their average was 196 youth and adults. That's just for my math's sake because I'm not very good. round that up to 200. And if we round that up to 200 and each one of us praise for three people to come to know Christ. That means in this church, through this challenge, there are 600 people in this church alone that's being prayed for to come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Can you imagine that if each one of us contributes And praise what God can do when there are 600 names being placed on His throne every single day to come to know Christ as the Lord and Savior. In Mark chapter 9, I want you to see in verse 14 and following, a beautiful illustration of what happens when one prays. In Mark chapter 9, verse 14 and following, the Scripture says, And when He came to the disciples... He saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, they greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him, brought him to him, to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed and foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both in the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him and he became as one dead so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast it out? In verse 29, and here's the key passage this morning, He said to them, Jesus said to His disciples, This kind can come by nothing but prayer and fasting. I read about a church service, illustration of a church service where they were starting church and as the lady sat down to play the organ, she realized that it was turned off. The power had been turned off. And as she was playing, the pastor noticed, so he immediately got up. And anytime there's problems, the preacher just asked the church to pray. So during the prayer, they fix everything. So the preacher got up and prayed. And the gentleman on the front pew saw that the organ had not been plugged in. So during the prayer, he got up and he plugged in the organ. And he sat down and he wrote a note to the organist and said, After the prayer, the power will be on. He gave that to the organists. After the prayer, the power will be on. There's a whole lot of truth to that statement. The power is on when people pray. In Mark chapter 9, I want us to think about this this morning because I want to show you two different groups of people and I want us to apply it to us as a church family. The first one is this. What happens when God's people do not pray? In fact, that's my first point. When God's people do not pray. Jesus said this kind can only come by prayer and by fasting. So I want to show you through this context this morning and through this text what happens when God's people Do not pray. Right before verse 14, Peter, James, and John had come down from the Mount of the Transfiguration. They had talked with Moses. They had talked with Elijah. They had seen the glorification of the Son of God. And they come down this mountain and they are glowing because of what they have experienced just on this mountain. The next day, they find the other nine disciples in verse 14. And they see not the glorification of the Son of God, but they are introduced to the demonic spirits that take place in our world today. Three things happen when God's people do not pray. Number one is this, is that damage stirs. When God's people do not pray, damage stirs. In verse 14 and following, the scripture says, When he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them. Jesus is walking to his disciples. He sees this multitude and he sees the scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to Jesus, greeting him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? In verse 17, one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Damage is setting in. Because a couple of chapters earlier, in Mark chapter 6, verse 13, the scripture says that the disciples cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. The disciples had a history of casting out demons and and performing an exorcism to release the demons because Jesus had given them the power to do that, not to boast that you can cast out a demon, but so that Jesus could be glorified. So that Jesus had not been around for about a week he has been up on the mountain of transfiguration. Another person approaches the scene who is demon possessed and all the disciples were probably arguing, I'll do it this time. No, Thomas, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. And the guy comes up and he's, he is possessed by a demon and the disciples one after the other cannot do it because they're relying on their own power and they do not have enough prayer and faith. When a church does not pray damage begins to stir. We begin to do things in our own power, in our own ability, and God does not bless, and there's no power. And when there's no power of the Spirit, damage begins to stir. I can hear the scribes today, during this passage, calling out the disciples, you're just a bunch of phonies, and so is your master. If in the past you said you cast out demons, here's someone who is demon possessed and you can't even do it. Something must be wrong with you. You must be a fake. And damage begins to set in during this time. It was John Bunyan who said this, He who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. George Mueller said this when asked how much time he spent in prayer. He said hours. Every day. He said, but I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk. I pray when I lie down. I pray when I arise. All the time, answers are always coming. Martin Luther said this, if I should neglect prayer but a single day, I should lose a great deal of the fire of faith. The one concern the devil, the enemy wants from us is a life of prayerlessness. It doesn't matter how much you've studied. If it's prayerless study, he does not fear. He does not fear prayerless work. He does not fear prayerless religion. He fears none of those things. He laughs at our work, mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when he prays. The only church that makes the enemy tremble is a praying church. Notice in verse 14 that the disciples drew a large crowd. The devil can care less how many people come to church. Notice in verse 14 and 15 that the scribes were disputing with them. The devil can care less about your theological persuasion. Even if you can convince somebody else to believe like you do, he can care less about that. But he trembles when his people pray. He trembles when a church comes alongside and begins to pray for 600 people. To come to know Christ. That's an army. And when God's people do not pray. Damage begins to stir. But number two. Not only does damage begin to stir. But number two is this. Demons stay. Demons stay. These nine disciples. Are trying to cast out a demon. That's what they're trying to do. They're not trying to buy this person a meal. They're not trying to invite them to their church service. They're trying to cast out a demon. Because the Bible says in verse 18 that whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. And he becomes rigid. The Bible also says over here in in verse uh, verse number uh, twenty. Two, that oftentimes he's throwing him both in the fire and into the water to destroy him. Satan sought to destroy this person's life. And the, the disciples could do nothing about it. When God's people do not pray, remember Jesus said this kind can only come through prayer and through fasting. And when a church refuses to pray, Satan's presence remains. You want to talk about getting to the throne of God, but also facing the enemy, start praying for some people to be saved. And there will be battles on every front of this building. There will be battles on every front of your life. But if you refuse to pray... Demons stay. When a church doesn't pray, we can still win conflicts. Large crowds, I just mentioned that, show that we even care. But none of that will battle the forces of Satan. Satan loves to take people to the lowest common denominator of life. The attacks on this boy is a huge struggle That the giver of life, Jesus, is battling with the destroyer of life, that is Satan himself. What a shock. Leaving the mountain the day before on the Mount of Transfiguration. And now facing these disciples who refuse in faith and prayer and and trusting God are facing the enemy on one day you have light on the other day you have darkness on one day you have power on the other day you have helplessness on one day you have worship on the other day you have blasphemy how quick things can change among the people of God when a church refuses to pray demons stay but number 3 is this when church refuses to pray doubts begin to start Not only does damage stir among His people, not only do demons stay, but doubts start. Jesus said in verse 19, He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. You don't see that in English. But in verse 19, that first word, it's only one letter. It's the letter O. It's a word in the Greek language that is very seldom used in reference to talking to somebody else. And the reason is, is because it is a word that is so emotional. It is the deep. Emotion and groaning. One that you do. Sometimes you say, I just need to go and grieve by myself. And Jesus is referring this, speaking to someone else. Saying, in an emotional sense, guys, don't you understand... It's not in your power. It's not in your ability. But it is in prayer. You cannot do anything on your own. You must have the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And the doubts begin to come around. Early African converts to Christianity were very earnest and very um, prayerful, very regular in their prayerful Private devotions. Each one. Reportedly would pick out a spot. In the thicket. To have their prayer time. And as they would get up day after day. They would go out to their spot in the thicket. And begin to pray. And begin to pray. And day after day after day. Can you imagine. What the spot looked like. When you kneel down. And you step on that thicket. Day after day after day. Over the time, the paths to these places became very well worn. As a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to others they would kindly remind the negligent one, Brother, the grass grows on your path. How is your prayer path? Is it evident to others? Now, we don't pray for other people and so other people could see us. But we do pray for other people. We do pray for people to be saved. And we do pray that people would come involved in the church of the Lord Jesus. These disciples had been successful earlier. And as Jesus had been gone, as you look at the context of Mark, Jesus had not been with them for a week. Was Jesus spoken about? I don't know. But another demon-possessed man comes and they say, well, let's just do what we did last time. Last time you stayed right there. I was right there. And we did this, this, and this. And as one of them began to, to try to cast out this demon, he couldn't do it. So maybe another disciple stepped up and said, let me try. You're not saying the right thing. You're not doing the right thing. And one by one, they could not do it. Their failure was not because they didn't try. On the contrary, they did their absolute best. Their problem was unbelief. They believed in the process. They believed in themselves because they had done it previously, but they were not resting their faith in Him. They based their faith walk on what happened in the past and not what God can do in the future. Did you hear that? Don't base your faith walk on what Jesus has done in the past. Instead, base your faith walk on what Jesus can do in the future. Well, that's a great lesson for the church. Oftentimes in our decision making and our things, we, all, we go back to a time in the past. And we say, well, this is what God did last time, so let's do this today. That's not faith that is blind obedience because all we're doing is going to back what God has already done in the future instead of what He can do, I mean in the past, instead of what He can do in the future. We walk by faith, which means our, our sight is forward. You remember the message from Brother Danny last Sunday night. Press on, not looking at those things behind, but walking faithfully to the future. We walk by Faith, but those who refuse to pray, doubts start. But we're going to be a praying church, amen. We're going to be a church that prays. So I want to close. Now I'm almost done, I'm halfway through the message, but I want to close with this second point. It's the last point. Don't, I I don't want, you know, give you a false expectation. (laughs) So, what happens when God's people pray? Three things in this text from verse 20 and following happens. Jesus said through prayer. Because He said to His disciples, this kind can come by nothing but prayer. So when you take that little brochure that you got in Sunday school this morning and on that second page and you write those three names of people that you're going to go to the throne of God day after day after day and ask God to save those people because eternity is in the balance. Those people, if they die without Jesus, will spend an eternity without Him in hell. So we're going to pray for them. What happens when God's people Prayer, especially a life of prayer, is the avenue of faith. First thing is this. Oh, I love these three. First one is this. When God's people pray, Satan is powerless. Remember what happened in verse 14 through 19? This demonic spirit just went to town. He could do whatever he wanted to do. But notice in verse 20. They brought him to him. Now, I love how the translators in our English, they brought him lowercase h to him uppercase h. They brought the powerless, demon-possessed man to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed. Him, and he fell on the ground and he wallowed, foaming at the mouth. This demonic spirit begins to show out because he's in the presence of Jesus Christ. Verse 21, so he asked the Father. Jesus ain't worried about the demonic spirit. He turns to the Father. He says, Father, how long has this been happening to you? And the father, you can imagine the emotion. This is another sermon for another day. But he says, from childhood. Now we don't know how old the man is. Or the young boy is. Verse 22, and often he's thrown him in both the fire and into the water to destroy him. But verse 22 says, but if you can do anything. Have compassion on us and help us. It says, if. The man, already back in verse 18, says, I've talked to every follower of Jesus. I've talked to your disciples. And they can't do anything. But Jesus, if you can do anything, can you help me? If you can do anything, can you help me? Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, 12, and also verse 18, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Against the rulers of darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Our battle is not against each other. Our battle is against an enemy. And Jesus knows that. But when God's people pray, Satan is powerless. There is no Power greater than when God's people pray. God's people prayer, it will trump anything the enemy may do. He says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. This dad, this father, uh, reached an apex, an annex of his faith. He says, if you can do it all. He wasn't sure what would happen. He knew Christ could do it, but his own faith had been badly shaken by the disciples' failure to help his son. It's not that he didn't believe Jesus can do it. It's just that his disciples, who once can do it, can no longer do it anymore. So he's got a little bit of doubt. Jesus, if you can do it, can you help me? Do you believe that if you pray for three lost people, they'll come to Christ? Everybody in this room will say yes otherwise you probably wouldn't be here now you may say I don't know brother John this one guy he's been lost for 300 years (laughs) but I know deep down in your heart you can say you know what if if anybody can save him it's gonna be Jesus which he's the only one that can save anyway but every one of us believes that Jesus can save anybody. The question is, if you really believe it, will you pray it? That's what separates faith from your own power. The question this morning as we pray is to really believe what God can do. If God can really save, then let's pray for Him. It's not about getting a big number in Sunday school or a big number in church. It's about getting a big number in the kingdom of God. And let's pray. Let's go to the throne of God and say, God, here are three individuals that, God, you can pray. If you can do anything, can you help us? That's what the dad said. That's what the father said. Many in the church believe that God can do anything. But we fail to walk by faith because of our life that is full of self-centered attitude that involves walking by the flesh and not by the Spirit of God. That's what has happened to the disciples. And that's why Jesus said this kind can only come by prayer and fasting. But the second one, not only is Satan powerless when God's people pray, but number two, our salvation is proven. Salvation is proven. Proven. You can even change that to provided. Salvation is provided when God's people pray. Look at what Jesus said in verse 23. I don't want you to miss this because this is oftentimes misunderstood. Verse 23, Jesus said to the Father, if you can believe, all things are possible to Him who believes. You remember what the Father said in verse 22? If you can do anything, And Jesus says, if you can believe. The question is not if Jesus can do anything. The question is, do you believe? You learned this morning in Sunday school that God is a creator. The word there in Genesis means out of nothing. That means God created this world out of nothing. Nothing. Let that sink in for a little bit. That will keep you up at night. He is creator God. He can do it all. He can do anything. But the question is, do we believe? It's not an issue of Jesus' can. The burden is on us. But this verse in verse 23 is oftentimes misunderstood. This verse does not mean that if you have enough faith, whatever you pray for will come to pass. That's not what it's saying. Many people will look at this verse and say, as long as you have enough faith, whatever you pray, God will do it as if your faith controls God. And that's how we get messed up a lot of time in the name it, claim it, word of faith theology, false theology that's spreading a lot of our countries today and a lot of our pulpits today. And when something goes wrong, such as when you pray for someone and they're not healed, instead they die, the issue is not God's sovereign will for the individual. The issue may be that you don't have enough faith. That's nowhere in the Bible. God is creator. And it's not if you believe enough. The Bible says if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. So when a situation comes, for instance, when we pray for a loved one. And you may say something like this. I am claiming God's healing on this individual today. And I'm going to pray, pray, pray. And I'm going to have enough faith until God heals them. What you're saying is my faith is going to control God. Your faith should never be greater than God's Word. When you pray, do you believe that God can do anything? Absolutely. Should you pray for a healing of a loved one? Absolutely. But your bottom line prayer is for God to be honored and for God to be glorified. And if God can be more glorified by taking someone to heaven rather than healing them, then we better choose A instead of B. Or we better allow God to take someone from us rather than heal. Well, that's a hard lesson to learn. See, God can do anything. And we pray and we believe that God can do anything. But our faith must never go farther than God's clear promises. Whatever goes beyond God's Word, that's not faith. That's something else assuming its it's appearance. We pray that God would be glorified. It's not a question of whether I can do it, Jesus said. But will you believe? For everything is possible for him who believes. Now look at verse 24. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now before you look at that passage and say, Man, I wish that dad was a little more spiritual. That's one of the greatest statements in all the Bible about real faith. See, I told you, every person in this room has faith. And you believe that if you pray for three people to come to know Christ, Jesus can save them. You you believe that with all your heart. The question is, will you pray every day and asking for them to be saved? God, would you help my unbelief? Would you help me as I grow in my faith to make it stronger? Would you help me, God, to walk my life daily, walk in my life daily, that I'm walking by true faith? Lord, help my unbelief. See, this can be in so many parts of our life. We believe that God can do anything. We believe that God owns the cattle of a thousand hills, but we struggle in our giving. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. We believe God can save anybody, but we don't share our faith. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. We believe all of our families should come to church and know Christ. Lord, we believe that. Lord, help my unbelief, because I'm not sharing my faith. We believe that we can grow by reading God's Word. God, I believe that. But Lord, help my unbelief because I'm not doing that. We believe that through prayer God answers anything. But we refuse to pray daily. God, help my unbelief. You see where he's at? This dad is exactly where many of us are at today. God, I believe you can do anything. But Lord, help my unbelief. Salvation is proven. Salvation is provided. Then number three is this. The greatest one of all, when God's people pray, our Savior is pleased. Look what happens in verse 25. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. We had come in the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Jesus has no problem defeating what he has created. A demon is a created being. That's why Jesus as creator of all has no problem and has no effort when it comes to defeating the enemy. When God's people pray, we rely on the power of God to defeat any type of demonic, any type of enemy that is out there, God will defeat those. But our Savior's pleased. Verse 28, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said, this kind comes by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Jesus said, if you want me to be glorified and me to be pleased through all that you do, then you must pray and rely on the Spirit of Almighty God. Proverbs fifteen eight The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is His delight. Prayer is the most important thing in your life. If I should neglect prayer for a single day, I should lose a great deal of the fire of faith. So, will you pray for three lost people to come to know Christ? It's not an issue if Jesus can save them. It's an issue if you can believe. But when you pray, the power will be on. Let's pray. Father, there's nothing that we can do or nothing that we can say that gives us the right to call upon the name of Jesus. Lord, that's made possible by your blood that was shed for us on the cross. And when that temple curtain was torn in two, and you allowed us by your grace and by your mercy to enter the throne of God and to sit down in the Holy of Holies and to pray before you as our Savior Jesus intercedes on our behalf. God, we come before you today believing that you can save anybody, anytime, anywhere, at any place. God, we believe that. God, would you instill in us a heart not of unbelief, but of faith? Because if we really believe that you can save, God, would you wear out the thicket in our prayer closet? God, would you make calluses come on our knees? Because every day we are praying and believing that you can save. Lord, I pray for our church that when the people of God pray that Satan is powerless, salvation is provided. And most of all, Lord, you, you are pleased. Help us, God, to understand where the power comes from. It comes from you. As you continue to pray, you may be here this morning and you don't know the Lord as your Savior. Jesus came to die for you. And salvation is yours. All you've got to do is repent of your sins. And trust Him as your Lord and Savior. If God's speaking to your heart this morning, I'm gonna be down here in the front. Brother Jeremy will be here. Just want you to come. You can come and meet me down here in front. And say, Brother John, I I need to come and give my life to Christ. I need to be saved this morning. And I want to know what salvation is about. You may have other decisions that you need to make this morning. There may be those coming for for baptism. You may uh, you may be guest. This is where God's you know God's leading you, and you know where God this is where God wants you to be. And if God's leading you, then you come be a part of our church family. But whatever the Spirit is saying to you, would you follow? Lord, thank you for today. Bless this invitation time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.